Hello everyone! Welcome aboard to Thundercode's non-profit Digital Voyage, a show where we talk about tech, social and public good, and how you can get involved. I'm your host, Timelia, and I hope everyone can sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. If you're ready, let's set sail! And now, on to our episode. Hello everyone, welcome to today's episode of TQ's Nonprofit Digital Voyage. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Sabrina. Sabrina, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Sabrina. I'm the content writer in Thundercoat and I'll be your co-host today. I will also be your future uh, host in the upcoming few episodes, so stay tuned for that. Yep, and I'm very happy to have, you know, have Sabrina on the show with us as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we are also joined today by our guest, our very own intern, Latifa. Okay, would you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Hello, everyone. Good day to you all. My name is Latifa Rafat. I go by L. I am 21 years old and I am Egyptian and Moroccan. I am mm. currently... Yeah, I'm currently a research and content uh, development intern in Thundercoat, so that's what I'm currently doing. And I am a psychology student doing my bachelor's, so those are the main two things going on in my life right now. All right, so I guess like to start things off, um, maybe you would like to you know explain you know what's your day to day like in TQ. Alright, so as a research and content development intern, my original tasks would involve research for any piece of work. Um, Mm -hmm. That can be something from as small as a caption for an Instagram post to something as large as an article. It's also about creating written content. Again, the written content can like differ in size and nature. So that's what I originally do. However, in TQ, I enjoy the privilege of being able to work on multiple things and explore different areas. So I also work on outreach. I contact nonprofits and organizations to liaise with them. Um, I'm also able to work on slides editing sometimes or um, quality check for content. So it's, it's very diverse what I'm able to do, basically. That's great to know. Um, how do you feel like how do you find your internship experience so far? Um, honestly, there have been challenging areas, but there have also been very rewarding areas. It's a very uh, thrilling learning curve. That's the best way I can describe it. I learn a lot and change a lot every day in what I can do and what like learning about what I can't do and then extending um, the time to be able to do it and so on. It's a good experience. Yeah, I'm glad that you're enjoying your time at TQ and you know, I hope that, you know, you'll continue to learn more stuff during your um your, throughout your internship. And also, um, you know, since you've mentioned it, um you're a psychology student and you know, we yes. have a lot we have quite a lot of psychology students in TQ as mm-hmm. well. And um actually, can you like maybe like talk a little bit about your course and like what's your day-to-day and what do you study in university? Alright, gladly. So, 
Um, my psychology course is mainly a basic uh, introduction to the psychology world. So in other words, if you want to qualify as anything in psychology, this is the first step, which is the Bachelor uh, of Science in Psychology. It takes three years to complete and we go to all the branches and approaches in psychology. So we study theories of personality, individual differences, uh, environmental differences. We study physical things such as biopsychology. Uh, we delve a little bit into neuropsychology and then we study the therapeutic aspects. So counseling, psychotherapy, and then we go to uh, statistics. So it's quite uh, diverse and it's just immersed in different different fields so that students can get an idea of what they want to do after the bachelor, which is the most the more specialized uh, step. We also study about um, education, marriage and family systems. It's a lot of um, basically it's a lot of information in different sides. That's the best way I can describe it. Mm, um, from the sounds of it, it seems like it's a you pretty much learn about everything right in psychology more or less um do you have plans to maybe specialize in it uh, in a certain aspect of psychology in the future yes my hopes and dreams are that i get to specialize in the clinical aspect of psychology because mm, um, psychopathology has always been what interested me i'm always interested in the aspect of um, mental disorders mental disabilities and how potentially you could help clients or patients to get out of um, that place that they are in or, you know, resolve their problem and be able to go back to their daily life. So that's what I would really love to specialize in. Uh, right. And if I'm not wrong, you're also in your final year, correct? Um, correct. Then you're probably working on your um, final year project as well, right? Yes. Or FYP. Um, would you like to share a little bit about that? Of course. Um, so about my final year project, it's mainly, um, it's again inspired by my whole interest in the psychopathology and mental illnesses and so on. But this time I retargeted a more um, hit home sort of criteria. So I went for university students. The topic is um, investigating the decision-making process of how university students avert seeking therapy. Mm. Yes, so basically, to put it in a very um, explanatory way, university students, a lot of them reported by many, many statistics all over the world, um, have mental problems. Perhaps they are a sensitive group to mental problems even more than other groups. And this could be for many reasons. Perhaps it's just the whole you know, many milestones during one specific um, cluster of few years. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. So like <laughs> financial issues, uh, familial issues, deciding on career choices. There are a lot of things that people in that specific group deal with. So while that is the case, not a lot of university students seek help or therapy. In fact, perhaps like there was a recent statistics in 2016 by the uh, Ministry of Health in Malaysia that only one third of students who need help, who reported that they needed help, actually sought it and followed up on that. So mm. I just found it very interesting and wanted to study why that is the case and 
what influences this decision for students? What are the factors? What are the different attributes? So that's my topic. Mm, I see. Um, I guess you can say that you can see, um, especially with COVID happening, we can also see a lot of uh, students are struggling with distant learning and um, that also contributes to it, right? Yeah, a lot. The, the COVID scene has been hectic on mental health and there were a lot of unfortunate tragedies due to that. Mm-hmm. I guess then we can uh, continue to talk about our main topic for today, which is about burnouts. So um, I guess relating to your fi- uh, your final year project, you will also touch about um, burnouts as well, I assume. And uh You know, it's a common mental health issue among the youths, uh, especially, like you said, among students. Do you want to explain more about what a burnout is? I mean, if I cannot explain that, I do not know what can I explain. <laughs> Because, you know, all right. Uh, so in, I'll start by like giving a personal point of view and then I'll delve in into the more... Uh, technical side of it. So in my little experience of working, study, simply existing, I've learned that burnout is metaphorically the most silent and disguised problem that can just completely destroy a person's mental state and then extend to destroy everything else. It's really lethal, but really silent. Mm. So that's the most, um, I would say, dangerous thing about burnout. Burnout psychologically is defined as a state or condition that results from prolonged and continuous exposure to stress. And this stress can be interpersonal or can be work-related or can be related to many things. But the idea is that there is continuous interaction with this source of stress. So whether it happens to according to like due, due to like professional setting reasons or personal, it's just very destructive to the person, to the individual that is going through it as a whole. So it extends to destruct a person's social, emotional life, all of it. Internally, burnout feels like having no interest in work or in other life aspects and lacking concentration and motivation. So this is how it would feel like on the inside for Mm -hmm. a person suffering from it. And then externally, it can manifest as being restless, uh, forgetting many things, It can even sometimes extend to like very physical symptoms such as high blood pressure or, you know, a lot of um, headaches or difficulties breathing because it can be paired with high levels of anxiety. So this is what uh, burnout looks like or manifests as in people. Mm -hmm. I was just going to add something about this um, very useful uh, model of burnout when I was studying, trying to understand it. It's called the Bergen Burnout Inventory. So according to this model, we have three components that just identify that this is a burnout. So Mm -hmm. first one would be overwhelming exhaustion. Second one would be cynicism. And third one would be a sense of ineffectiveness. And when you really think about them, it's just, um, it it, it hits quite to the point of what a burnout is that it needs all those three to be there. Okay, I see. Um, I was going to mention that the descriptions of a burnout sounds quite similar to 
um, a typical description of depression or like the uh, symptoms, I guess, that leads to depression. Um, mm. How would you uh, differentiate those two? Okay, that is actually quite true. And what they share is that a person suffering from them would have a lack of interest in ongoing events or in their life, um, a lack of motivation, a lack of, you know, the whole spirit. But the way, the, the key difference between them is that depression contains an overwhelming sense of sadness that mm-hmm. gets carried around. But burnout does not necessarily contain the emotion of sadness at least not as consistently as depression does. Burnout Mm. sometimes can feel like no emotion um, and just a big, long series of feeling tired and tired and tired. Mm. While depression can feel like that sometimes, it still feels like um, sadness, negative beliefs, more than just um, exhaustion. So that's the idea. Hmm. Interesting. I think burnout, the term burnout is also like being used pretty often recently. What do you think is causing this um, universal, almost universal feeling of burnouts? So the idea what causes burnout in general for humans is the idea that they could be exerting a lot of effort in a job position or even in a personal situation or relationship. So this is one um, possible cause. It can also Mm -hmm. be caused from getting little or no recognition for that effort. So Mm -hmm. it's more probable that a person getting no recognition for their effort gets to feel burnout. And then it can also be due to factors that are very personal to a person. So for example, personality traits. Let's say someone is very perfectionist, uh, has excessive conscientist, uh, is a workaholic by nature. So those things also can really contribute to that. But when mm. it comes to the universal, <clears throat> like since you addressed that, I think there has been in the past this idealization of hustle culture. I'm sure you guys mm-hmm. can that's relate true, to that. That's true. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So like the whole, the more you work, oh, you work until you are tired. That's such an idealized and positively um, viewed type of mindset, even though it's very destructive. So there is that um, tendency that everyone wants to prove that they are working. Everyone wants to prove that they are hardworking because that's sort of the behavior that's rewarded. Mm-hmm. And although recently a lot of um, companies or people have been speaking up against it and saying that, oh, no, this culture is not healthy. It affects people in such ways and such ways. But there's a huge gap because from the point of realizing that, no, this culture is not really healthy to the point of something being done. Yeah, the gap is really, really huge. That is true. That is true. Um, Speaking of the gap between doing something um, about these issues and the issues itself, um, from your research with uh, your final year project, how are these challenges addressed, especially in Malaysia? Uh, so, like, how are organizations making things more accessible for, let's say, students um, in order to get help? Um, so far, from my research, the idea is for university students, they are always advised to turn to an in-campus counselor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
The issue with that is that students often hesitate to actually turn to the in-campus counselor because there would be a few students who tried it and said that there wasn't much benefit, for instance. So that was the case in some universities. Um, in some universities, they would fear that this would have repercussions on their um, record in university. So the idea is that not much is known about what happens if you seek uh, the counselor's uh, advice within university. So because students don't know what the procedure is or what will happen, and there's mm. little knowledge about that, they are nervous and then reluctant to actually seek it. So that's mm -hmm. in regards to students. Um, when it comes to free, like let's say giving affordable or free therapy to students or to anyone in general, there's very, very little of that. Um, therapy sessions are really expensive. That's true, that's true. Yes, and then when they go to the affordable side of the spectrum, it compromises the quality of service or therapy you're going to get. So if you are going to go for, uh, let's say, a clinical psychologist, you are going to be expecting to pay from, I don't know, am I allowed to say a range of money? <laughs> um, <laughs> You can you can give a vague figure, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you are going for a fully qualified, um, certified clinical psychologist, you would be going from like a 300 per session or less, but less like it does not go less than really 150. And yeah, that's how it is. And then the lesser than that, it will be um, not like an assistant clinical psychologist or an assistant counselor. And it would just, you know, keep going. To that side so these are these are from the private sector correct um yes have, what uh, do you think about the government side of things like uh yeah uh the government clinics and things like that do you think that's very more accessible will you feel um it there have been a lot of efforts to make it more accessible that is like undeniable however especially with the covid condition mm. um the amount, the demand was too much. That's the idea that made the access sometimes not as uh, readily available because there mm -hmm. was such a high demand continuously on uh, the government facilities, especially. So that made it difficult. And I know this because uh, previously in my university, I was uh, the student council president association person. And then mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, students would turn to us for help and they would ask us for references, where can they go and so on. And one time it took like up to two or three weeks to finally find this student an available therapy session. And this was the government? Yeah. Uh, yes, because mm -hmm. the student had a financial issue and could not really afford private. Mm -hmm. So then we had to really keep looking for government because private was way above their budget. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like, that's in terms of university students, in terms of organizations, you know, whenever you go on LinkedIn, there's always like a lot of talk about um, mental health and mental health and burnout. And there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's just too perfectionist or idealistic what's going on over there. And you feel like you don't necessarily see that in real life, in the daily work scene. Because in the end, there is this uh, consistent attitude or consistent like underlying expectation that as an employee or as a person in society, you have a certain job and you're expected mm -hmm. to conduct it. 
And when things don't go well, it's not really a very accepted thing. You know, it's not very welcomed or very uh, supported as a state Mm -hmm. to be in. Like there will always be lots of uh, heaviness to that. It's not readily accepted. So I would say organizations may have been starting to make efforts, but it's not there yet. What are some of the things that you've maybe noticed? Like, what are the, some of the efforts that you've seen then? Most of the time, the efforts are more towards the break the stigma, uh, raise awareness about mental health, you know, this side of efforts. Mm-hmm. Because, okay, of course, breaking the stigma is such an important part because stigma, the stigma around seeking mental health or the stigma around speaking up about mental health issues is one of the largest barriers for everything, <laughs> for any movement forward, like it's a big barrier. However, the continuous campaigns for awareness reach to a point where they become in vain, not completely in vain, but in a way where it's like, okay, and now what? So we mm. all know, and then now what? Like, yes, how can What's we What's the next you? step? What's the exactly. next step then? Okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So there has been so much effort and so much um, emphasis on the whole awareness thing. However, not as uh, not an equivalent amount of like action and effort on the health side, the actual health that people need. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, like some people or there would be a lot of um, unqualified people even speaking sometimes. So like just random influencers coming up and saying things or it became like a brand um, washing type of behavior so let's just talk about mental health awareness we okay and you know the whole yeah so it's it's there's a lot of um that happening there's a lot of talking and a lot of awareness campaigns but not a lot of action and not a lot of um let's say procedure given to people so for example when they make people aware that this mental health is just as important physical health and so on what can people do like what is it mm-hmm. that people can help themselves with that type of information is not as often shared or is not as often like yeah that is true yeah. i think there's a lack of uh sharing of uh ways to intervene you know interventions uh for exactly. your mental health right i yeah. really uh I think it's funny that you mentioned about LinkedIn and the conversations of mental <laughs> health because I think LinkedIn is one of my reasons, uh, one of the stressors in my life for <laughs> having to be a perfect oh. employee all the time. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, they, they just play that but... image. <laughs> um, I think I remember... Uh, I think it was last year that the government did a psychosocial helpline uh something about like opening up a helpline for people to reach out to like get counseling help do you think that was effective at all um I think during a certain time it was extremely effective because the idea is that there was like a sudden burst in the amount of people who were seeking therapy like that was specifically during the lockdown the complete lockdown Mm -hmm. that was the most time people were just 
going towards these hotlines and a lot of times like they would be completely occupied so the fact that they were completely occupied should indicate that they were effective in some way or else they wouldn't be completely occupied so mm-hmm. there's that and yes hotlines in general help because they're an immediate way of reaching or trying to reach someone so people are more likely to go for hotlines because the whole like it lacks the whole waiting factor where they just wait for an appointment yes, and so on yes yeah. that is true i think it's um similar to the concept of let's say a uh, better help where you don't have that waiting period yeah where you're plagued with like uh anxiety or like you know waiting for your yeah, session and and, and that was very useful for emergency cases because of course um here's the thing about mental health instead of just addressing like certain disorders that people can be suffering from and so on it also goes as uh far as addressing actual criminal activities in a way such as like domestic abuse physical abuse because in the end even those um patients a lot of the even those cases are victims sorry a lot of them would go through a mental health hotline first so they would call in order to like be able to talk or you know just express their feelings and then at some point it's like okay so what's happening with you and then there's a whole physical abuse or domestic abuse scenario going on so mental hotlines or the concept of mental health oftentimes leads to people getting help that they needed in other ways as well so mm. that was extremely necessary during covid and lockdown mm-hmm. i see i see um okay so uh speaking of like organizations making things more accessible do you uh and do you know any like nonprofits that uh helps in mental health awareness or uh, accessibility and do you know any nonprofits where youths can join if they want to be involved or if they want to participate um of course just a disclaimer in this regard uh because mental health or psychology or the psych of uh area is an area where you are dealing with actual people who have actual problems and in order to be able to deal with that uh, it's necessary to have a certain set of qualifications mm-hmm. and those qualifications go as far as a bachelor and a master's and a phd let's not go there so the idea <laughs> is that most of the volunteering posts available are related to other areas so this organization will be specialized in mental health but where it needs volunteers will not necessarily be that part so mm-hmm. you're helping them let's say in any other area relevant to your specialty and then that's they need that help but it's not going to be always related to the mental health itself unless an individual is qualified or studying for that area mm-hmm. but i believe so, it will still be a learning experience either way i would say definitely definitely yes volunteering is a very uh, valuable learning experience and the whole concept of actually doing something and it's for the learning experience more than and for the benefit of the people that it will be benefiting more than anything else yeah and um there are a few there are a few posts that uh, i found relevant to like for myself when i was looking to join something um yeah and the most like i'd highlight the most um known ones or not necessarily known ones but like the most accredited ones of like 
large organizations. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so for example, the Malaysian Mental Health Association, they have uh, constantly on their website, like they update what sort of volunteering um, people or what sort of volunteering qualifications they need. So mm-hmm. currently they needed uh, someone for like designing, uh, photography for their events, uh, assistance during events, so like the whole, you know, event managing thing and mm-hmm. assistance in publishing work. So their line of work extends much, much further than that. But in order to be able to sustain their line of work, they need to, you know, host events and create content and th- the lot of it. So they need people to help them in that as well. And mm-hmm. then there is another organization, it's called Thrive Well. A lot of people might know it as its old name, Saul's Health, but its new name mm-hmm. is Thrive Well. And they always seek volunteers and their whole, um, they make it a point to create a program where students have a structure of learning. So when you join them as a volunteer or as an intern, it's not about um, just doing certain tasks that are at hand. No, they create a system for how you will learn. So they create deliverables and so on, and you work under certain people. So I'd say for like people going for a psychological point of view or experience, it would be better to join them as an intern for three or six months, uh, mm-hmm. because then you learn more about the mental health side of things. But if you're interested in just helping out, then volunteering can be very valuable as well and the things they need help in like range from project management to translation to fundraising to public relations a lot of fields basically that are not necessarily mental health related so yeah they welcome that kind of help Mm -hmm. and then there is um the mental illness awareness and support association as well and they also need like events marketing team research team uh, it's also a really big association that has been doing a lot, especially on the awareness side of the yeah. work. Yeah, I think that's the most well-known, um, for me mm-hmm. at least, that's the organization that I hear about uh, the most. Yeah, and um, finally there's Plus Vibes, and the whole idea of Plus Vibes is that you can volunteer and after getting a certain training, Mm-hmm. You are qualified to be a part of an app and this app is similar. The idea is similar to a hotline where you get to listen to people and help people. So it's sort of, it's not exactly the job of a therapist, but it's the job of an, uh, of running an intervention. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's a whole concept of um, mental health first aid, like this term, they coined the term mental health first aid in this way where Okay, so a therapist or only a therapist or a licensed individual can run a di- can like make a screening and then give you a diagnosis and then start mm-hmm. a treatment. But like before you get there, you have you need something sometimes. It's not not everyone is just able to be like, okay, wait, I am not the same functioning individual that I should be or that I have been. So let me go seek help. Like a lot of times, there will be a friend or a or a relative or a person who's in that process and mm. oftentimes this person can do harm because they don't know what they're doing so that's where the whole um, mental aid mental health first aid term comes so it's like oh, people that get to recognize the symptoms get to direct help in a positive way and just direct them towards going where they should go 
So this is basically the idea of uh, joining as a volunteer in the Plus Vibes. It's a very interesting. Speaking of Plus Vibes, um, uh, just to cue in our listeners, we will be having Plus Vibes as our, gu- as our guests in the future episode, where we will talk more sort of like in depth about what they do. I think. Yes, and a little bit more about mental health as well. So please look forward to that. And I guess, um, you know, a little question for me as well. Um, we've uh, we sort of like went on a little bit on a tangent about mental health in general, but I do want to sort of like bring back a little bit about burnouts as well. Um, you know, you've talked about how um, organizations there, there while there has been efforts, it's not like it's not there yet. You know, in terms of mental health and stuff. And um, I was wondering, like, okay, um, is there an advice that you could give, you know, maybe as a student, from a perspective of a student, or even from a perspective of, you know, a working, because a working person, since, you know, you are, you know, undergoing your internship right now. Uh, if someone comes up to you and like, hey, I think I'm feeling a little bit burnout, what do I do? And like, how can I, you know, sort of like help um, to sort of like... Uh, lessen the feeling. Do you have any sort of like advice to that? Yeah, I think primarily, okay, the whole idea of um, hustle culture is that it just pushes towards this idea of like, oh, so you were not five minutes early to that meeting, to every meeting, and then you were not uh, 10 <laughs> minutes late after your working time, and then you were not, oh, really? That means you're a bad employee. and. So like I tell the student or a person who's like in an entry level or any person honestly to just you know um, it's not that deep you want to be punctual you want to be responsible of course but you're human you're not a robot you are bound to make mistakes you are bound to get some things wrong and mm-hmm. it's just a natural uh, thing to happen like that belief or that that like constant uh, seeking the unattainable standard of perfection is like one of the main causes of burnout. So I'd say I'd go there first. Mm-hmm. But if I'm giving more close up and personal advice to a person who's asking me, I'd say that uh, mental health or dealing with burnout or any of those things, it's not a separate problem to yourself and your life. So basically, just imagine you go to an ordinary doctor and you tell him about a certain problem or her about a certain problem, like, oh, my chest hurts or my Uh, I get headaches all the time, any problem, or I get stomach ache all the time. Mm -hmm. The doctor is definitely going to have questions about what do you eat? How often do you eat? How much do you sleep? Like about your lifestyle, because Mm -hmm. you are attached to that. It's not separate. Mm -hmm. So similarly in burnout, it's like, okay, so what do you do for yourself? What's your um, daily routine in a way? Um, How much time do you dedicate to take care of yourself and to just sort of relax and wind up so those are all things that I would advise a person to definitely try to get them to the healthiest level possible then Mm. a lot of mental health problems will just really like reduce significantly of course it's not gonna like doing some self mental health or you know self reflection or self-care is not gonna eliminate a mental disorder but it will help in a way to reduce like the whole severity of it mm. perhaps yeah i understand i feel like um in a way when you get burnout it's like a symptom that's showing that there's something that you need to change in your life 
because Definitely. there's something that's lacking, yeah. Definitely, yes. And another, like, okay, so just touching a bit, because, okay, no one asked me this, like, it's not a question, <laughs> but I'm just going to elaborate. <laughs> sure. You remember the model that I explained earlier where there is, like, A, overwhelming exhaustion, B, cynicism, and C, a sense of ineffectiveness. So mm-hmm. the idea is all these three come from similar things to, like, each other so let's say okay the overwhelming exhaustion comes from overworking obviously and cynicism comes from like you know having like whole uh doubts about what you're working on or doubts about yourself so it just verges into like how you feel about your work how you feel about yourself about your surroundings and then a sense of ineffectiveness deals with like how you feel about your uh relationship to what's around you so do you feel effective and useful as a person or do you feel that your efforts are for not or so when it comes to all those things it brings me back to the whole idea that if people do work they do not want to do and they sort of push themselves against that it's just very natural that there will be very high levels of stress Mm -hmm. so yeah burnout is not again it's back to the point where burnout is not a separate sudden thing that happens it's just about your whole it's attached to your whole life lifestyle nature Mm -hmm. of work nature of character all of those things so yeah it's basically very um extensive into what a person is going through and it's it's very yeah that's what i was gonna say so (laughs) i was just gonna tie it back to the model because yeah, the whole overwhelming exhaustion, cynicism, sense of ineffectiveness, it's very descriptive of what happens and on many fronts, really. Hmm. All right. Um, so before we end this podcast, do you have any final remarks? Maybe uh, you want to redirect people to uh, somewhere where they can get help or, you know, any final remarks? Uh, Yes, sure. Okay, so my most um, important remark, I would say, is that uh, not to be like the whole conspiracy theorist or anything, but sometimes (laughs) the existing world idealizes an organization or idealizes a group or idealizes um, your workplace over you as an individual. Like Mm -hmm. They prioritize that, they give that the priority because obviously, you know, a whole organizational entity has sort of like, again, not to be a a (laughs) theorist, but the whole organization has monetary value. You get it? And you, Mm -hmm. as a poor little individual, you don't necessarily have that monetary value. So Mm -hmm. it becomes your job as an individual to prioritize yourself and to put Mm -hmm. yourself first. And that That is is whether it is like against other people or against organizations or against anything not against in a sense that this is a war and there are sides but just as in in a scale where you there's you you need to be big in your life and then everything else comes and it's just all gonna come back in retrospect so the more you take care of yourself the better you are going to be dealing with everything else in your life it's connected there is no image of success where you are extremely drained exhausted depressed but then your job is perfect and everything is going on well in your job. That image can last. As long as it lasts, it will end. It will shatter because that's just 
it's all you in the end, you know, and there is no yeah. image where you are exhausted and drained and then you're just the perfect student or the perfect um, anything. So the idea is that if you are not doing well, nothing else in your life will continue to do well. You have to prioritize yourself first. So mm -hmm. that's what I would like to say. All right. And I'd like to add that if you are feeling down if you are experiencing some issues and you need help um you can always contact your nearest government clinic to be able to uh assess whether you need a professional therapist or professional psychiatrist to be able to see you so because you know we're not we're not trying to say that if you have a mental illness or if you have difficulty going through life that you need to change a certain part of your lifestyle um this is just like one small aspect to exactly. mental yes, health issues yeah we're like specifically in burnouts like these are just some advice that uh we're just sharing always seek professional help is uh the most important advice that we can give you guys um may i add one more thing mm -hmm. go ahead all right so a lot of times people are afraid to seek professional help because there's this sort of reputation going on that oh um the psychiatrist will recommend you meds and then the meds will have bad side effects and so on so this is just a misconception i'd like to correct when you seek mental health the type of health available is diverse there are there's a lot of different things you can seek help through. So, for example, uh, you have options. You can go for uh, counseling, which they also dub as talking therapy. You can go for um, the actual um, psychiatrist, where this is where you are more on the physical side and you get meds. You can go for um, group therapy. There are different different types of services that you would be presented as options so you are still in control like it's not mm -hmm. that the moment you seek health your faith goes out of your hand and the whole people will be deciding <laughs> what happens you know you get the option you get to decide yeah. what sort of help you are able to operate with best because in the end mental health is not about just fixing something that is broken in that way no it's about helping you attain yourself again so that's the idea yeah Let's just outline that and um, even uh, when we're talking about uh, talking therapy or, you know, seeing a uh, therapist, there's so many different kinds of therapy as well, right? Oh, different kinds oh, yeah. of talking therapy that you go through. Definitely. So doesn't mean that if you get help and it doesn't suit you, that there's no other options of talking therapy that might work better for you. So I think it's important to just go on and try and try again um, because there's something out there for you to help you. No, it's definitely. Yep. Yeah. There's always hope, essentially. There's always hope. That is true. Okay. Well, I guess we've reached the end of our episode. So thank you so much for joining us in this conversation, Elle. Uh, and I hope our audience, our listeners, found it as beneficial as we did. And so before we end things off anything any final words you'd like to add 
I just like to say thank you for having me, and it was uh, extremely fun. And yeah, thank you very All much. All right, thank you, thank you. So,、uh, thank you to our listeners. We hope you enjoy this episode. So, we hope to see you soon in the next episode. Bye bye. Bye. And that was today's episode. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and leave a review. It would mean a whole lot to us. You can also head over to our website thundercode.org to gain access to our free digital resources. See you next time.